Good morning, brothers and sisters. So it's been a good morning already, right? In worship and in news of things that are happening and the spirit at work. I heard good reports about a couple of showers. There's been a couple of showers late. I'm not talking about rain showers either. I'm talking about ministry showers, uh, encouraging people. So all good stuff. Well, this morning, my, uh, my sermon title is Stolen. I do this once in a while. In fact, let me just go to the next, uh, the next there it is. The, uh, an owner's manual for the unfinished soul. Apologies to Calvin Miller. I don't know if any of you know who he is, but back in the 70s, he wrote a series of uh, artistic poetry things called The Singer, The Song, talking about God's creation. It was a story of redemption. He's kind of an artsy guy. But he was also a pastor, uh, built quite a large church up in Omaha, Nebraska, and saw many, many, many souls come to faith. And I had the privilege of sitting in his class, uh, learning how to do narrative preaching, which I never really learned how to do very well, but I try. See what I mean? <laughs> and I said amen also. So my apologies to Calvin Miller for stealing his title But there's a reason we're in Grace Illustrated, and I want to talk today about the way grace is conveyed. But before I do, I want us to read the passage of Scripture together that I've chosen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and if you don't have one, feel free to take the black Bible out of the seat in front of you. And you can turn, if, even if you've never been in the Bible before, you can turn to page number 1203, 1203, and it'll take you to the right place. A very interesting portion of scripture, and if you're not feeling well this morning or you're indisposed, don't, you don't have to obey me on this point, but otherwise I'm going to ask you to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God together. Because it is the Word of God, amen? amen. It's not my word. We're here to worship God and look up. So starting in the 19th verse, if you'd follow along, it's a famous passage. And in here are comments that are made that I'm going to lift out of this text and use to communicate today step by step by step. Since, therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Everybody said amen. Amen. And not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together before you sit. Would you help us, God? Grace is what you provide because we need it and we don't deserve it. So I know no better way to come to you than to say, Lord, we admit we don't deserve it. But thank you that you give it. 
And we're asking today that you would grant grace for this assembly to make us a lively body of saints where life is spoken, life is received, life is grown, your life. And so, Father, we pray in Jesus' name for the help of your spirit this morning. As has been mentioned, the way the enemy opposes us, today we ask that you'd stretch your hand out and subdue our adversary. We know he's marching around. Jesus even said that he comes and snatches truth back out of our brain after we hear it. (laughs) He distracts us is what he does, and we forget. So, Lord, we need your help with that. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to understand. And we need the help of your spirit to, to brace ourselves up and choose to obey. You were willing. We will help us to say we will. We'll help, we'll ask, we're asking for your help in the great name of Jesus. We gather in his name. We thank you for the freedom we still have. We don't know how long, but for now, we can worship you without retaliation. We're thankful for that. We give you praise, and it's right for us to gather to give you praise. In the great name of Jesus, we ask all of these things, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. So I thought about an owner's manual for the unfinished soul. Let me tell you, this last week was interesting. We had a... Huge maple tree taken down over here, right next to the ministry house. Beautiful wood. I wish I still had a fireplace because I would have stole all of that wood. Somebody already got it. It made me think about chainsaws. I have some interesting stories about chainsaws. One I won't tell you because I don't want you to lose your breakfast. But there's a story told about a gentleman who went because he had just bought property and he had too many trees and he had to take down about 100 trees and so he went to the local chainsaw dealer and said, I need a chainsaw that is really fast and effective. And they brought him to the best, not even going to comment which ones, but he, they brought, never mind, he brought him to the best and he said, this one, I'm positive, you can take about three to five trees down a day, no problem, clean them up. He said, okay, I'll take it. So he paid his money, took it home, About a week later, he comes back to the dealer. He said, you did not give me your best chainsaw. And they said, "Uh, yeah, we really did. He said, well, I can't get past more than one and a half trees in like three days. The guy said, really? He said, you're having that much trouble? Yes, I am. They said, why don't you bring it back in here? And so I got it in the car. He brings it in. He says, let's check this out. The guy fiddles with it, starts it up. and And the man who had bought it says, what's that noise? Yeah, wow. (laughs) Like there's some principles. There is even a manual with it. You know, there's this manual that tells you how to run it. Might help to read the manual and get a few hints about how it works. Men don't do that. I do, especially when I get to the point where the thing doesn't look right and I go... I should have read that. Oh, that's why it's not right. By the way, I was a, I, my wife and I got married. My father-in-law graciously gave, gave us his old 
uh, what was it, a 68 Chevy Malibu. We drove it all the way across country to Denver, Colorado, go to seminary, drove it for a year and a half. And then I found that, you know, there's this stuff called oil you're supposed to change. An owner's manual for the unfinished soul. This side of glory, we're all unfinished souls. Mr. Miller's uh, book was about stories about grace and brokenness and what have you. But there is a manual for the unfinished soul. Now, you'd all be thinking immediately, I'm talking about the Bible. Yes, of course, you find the things that we're going to talk about there. What I want to talk about is that there are ways to make things work better. Okay, I'm not trying to be tricky here. The saints of history referred to those things as the means of grace. You know what I mean by means? It means it's the instrument. It's the thing you can use to get something done. A chainsaw that runs can cut through wood. Cars where you change the oil will run longer. (laughs) than some people's cars might run. Anyway, there's means to be used. So what I want to do today is I want to speak about the means of grace that are available to us. Because what we tend to do is think, we're talking about grace. We're speaking of grace illustrated. It's undeserved favor. And we think sometimes we just lay there and say, God, if if you want me to do this, you're going to have to literally get me up out of bed. You know, that I don't have to do anything. He's made provision for you to open the channels of grace to bring it into your life. So these really aren't secrets. They're not all that new. But as I'm walking along with you as an assembly for four and a half years now, I'm finding out how many of us are neglecting the means of grace in our lives. And we're wondering why the trees aren't coming down or the car is burning up. We're wondering. It's really not a mysterion. That's the Greek word for mystery. It's not. So we need to make use of the means of grace. And as I go through each of them, here's what I'm going to offer. You know, we do ask questions. We're going to start a newsletter called Teddy Wants to Know. We're making jokes about that. Uh, Teddy Wants to Know. But you get two questions per means. That's it. Otherwise, we'll never get through. Get what I'm saying? So I'll cover a means, and then you can ask two questions. Fair enough? And then at the end, if we have lots of time and we're all bored and saying, oh, then you can ask all the questions you want. I'll leave, but you can ask all the questions you want. Only, no, not only Teddy. No. It's open season. Those of you who are not used to churches where they ask questions, that's because you didn't grow up in the first century. They did then. That's the way churches were, right? So I'm going to start in an unusual way. But how many of you remember uh, the kids' song? There's a lot of them, but read your Bible, pray every day. Got old people here. What can I say? Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you shrink, shrink, right? You're the new Sunday school superintendent. Okay. That's a song about means, isn't it? And of course you're thinking, we're going to start with the Bible. Actually, I'm not. Think for just a moment. 
if you were in the first century church, Jesus has just left, he's gone back to heaven, the church explodes on the day of Pentecost, the gospel is getting preached all over Jerusalem, Judea, whatever, it's going to spread to the rest of the world. In a few short years, it's going to go out to the Gentiles. It's going to eventually conquer the Roman Empire. Can you imagine? They didn't have printed Bibles. Those peoples didn't have, those peoples, those people did not have scripture in their hands. We are incredibly privileged, but they didn't. But there's one means of grace that is available to everybody all the time in any condition. Thank you. So that's the first one, prayer. And I get that out of the text. It says several places in our text, but here was the line that I love. Draw near. Let us draw near. That is liberated for us no matter what our situation. And, by the way, I'm going to reference this text. And this time I can read it so I don't muff it up. Here we go. Emotionally healthy spirituality. Just a reminder. Yes, there's a meeting after, there's a meeting after this service for small group leaders. Because some of you are courageous enough you're going to venture into this book. So I'm going to mention it a couple of times. I'm not going to read from it today, but I'm going to mention it. This man has some suggestions. If you've never developed some kind of system to effectually pray, it might be helpful to you. Some people would feel like that's a waste of time. I know our, our flesh says, I don't have time, right? I'm always pressed. I don't have time. Reverse is the right reaction. Martin Luther, in the midst of the uh, Reformation, when people pressed him about how much he had going on the next day, he said, I'm going to have to get, three, get up three hours earlier to pray in order to be prepared to go through his day. I'm not putting that on anybody. I'm just saying it is a genuine, real means of grace with no limitations, if you will. If you've never tried any, if you're totally stuck, I don't even know where to begin. Take the Lord's Prayer himself, Matthew chapter 6, right? I'm not putting it on the screen. I gave you the reference because everybody knows it. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy... We got at least 12 Christians in this room. All right. Just take that part. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I'm really praying that in earnest, what impact does it? Whoa. What does God's will on earth look like in me right now? Uh-oh. You know, God just might start meddling with you. And that's fun, actually, when you discover why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing. One of the, one of the prayers I learned from my forefathers, if you will not my personal forefathers, the forefathers of the church, is there are times I will, I've, I've hidden in this auditorium when nobody else is around, and I go, I, I am so at a wall, I don't know how to pray any way but this. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And sometimes just parking quietly enough to ask for that, the Holy Spirit starts to minister. I remember that especially because it was John Huss who was one of the reformers when he was taken on his way to be burned at the stake for his faith was praying that prayer. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So, if you have to use the ACTS acronym, Gene, you're going to have to help me with this. I don't remember. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and 
Supplication. I knew there was a word there. S. Something. Asking for something. (laughs) Making your request. If you have no other model, start with something. Just something. I tell people when they become a new Christian, just start. Give God five minutes in the morning. Just start somewhere. Three minutes. Anything. By the way, this last, uh, was was it last week we had our training for our elders, deacons, all that, right? One of our sisters asked a great question. No one else in this room struggles with this, but I'm just going to repeat it for her sake. How do you keep concentrating when you're trying to pray? Nobody else struggles with that, right? I have a little hack for you, you know. The owner's manual has a little... Isn't that the word, hack? Very simple. Have a pad and paper handy. Have a pad and paper. Simple. Simple. Don't try to pray. I have little three-by-five cards in my uh, lamp table next to where I read in the morning. I pull out the three-by-five card. I write down. Here's why. I'm getting distracted. I'm, oh, the registration on the car is due. Uh Uh-oh, we've got to change the oil in the car. Uh Uh-oh, I've got to learn how to start the chainsaw. Uh Uh-oh, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, it's going dang, dang, right? Write it down so you can offload it. Okay, I won't forget it now. Put it to the side. Okay, let me focus again. And there's all kinds of samples. We have the warfare prayers that we give out. There's all kinds of places you can learn how to pray. That's the first means of grace. Questions? I'm scaring all of you. Nobody wants to say anything. I, I answered the big one, right? Says that's a big one. That's it. Can we carry him over what? No, no, no. You're cheating. Okay. So that's prayer. All right. And I remember, I'll, I'll just tell you this one story as by way of encouragement. I said this years ago, but I'm sure you've forgotten, and we have a lot of new people now. But I used to go to this pastor's prayer time, you know, 6.30 in the morning, because that's spiritual. If you get up real early, it's spiritual. And we would go, and we would meet. And uh, I went to that meeting one morning. I was absolutely in a, in a death zone. You know what I'm saying? I was like, everything stinks. God hasn't helped me in how long it, it's brutal you know I'm mad and some of those Christians nah. nobody relates I know I am so evil but I go to the but I'm a good soldier you do what you're supposed to do so I get my carcass out of bed have some coffee I drive the 30 minutes to the prayer meeting where it is at my brother's church and I go in oh actually this was on the campus of the Bible college and I go down the basement into where this was and guys start praying and I'm sitting there okay Lord I'm I'm obeying you thank you Jesus and I'm just miserable and I'm sitting there like what is the point maybe I'll never even come back what's the that's how bad it was One of my dear brothers was there. And this is what was bugging me, the lack of fruit in people's lives. You're laboring, laboring, and getting nowhere. And a brother opens a scripture and starts reading in prayer. And it's a story where Jesus tells the disciples, push out and drop the nets and we'll catch some more. And their answer was, Peter, right? Lord, We labored all night and caught nothing, but if you say so. 
And you know what happened. They couldn't take in all the fish. But that wasn't the good part for me. What happened, as soon as he said, Lord, we've labored all night and caught nothing, the Holy Spirit said, that's you. Bam! And I was raised from the dead spiritually, instantly. I was like, huh? I could have had a V8. I just woke up. That's it. And my life turned around. So what is your expectation when you come to pray? Anyway, prayer is the first one. Second one. I'm still not putting the Bible up because those early Christians didn't have the Bible yet, but they did have fellowship. Now, what I mean by fellowship is not hanging out and saying, hey, how about those Broncos? (laughs) Kim, you see why our church struggles, don't you? (laughs) That's, I mean, it's fine to have fun. I mean, I, some of us drive motorcycles. That's fun. Whatever. Fellowship is what we share. It's having in common. It's life together about Jesus himself. And the word of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and among us and to one another. That's what's involved in fellowship. We're encouraged. I've quoted from Dietrich Bonhoeffer before his excellent book, Life Together. There's this one paragraph about God putting us in community. And the whole point of this is doing Christianity in community. By the way, the word is stimulate one another. Can I just park for a second? The word stimulate is to irritate. That's what it means. In fact, it's rooted to what we use in an English word, paroxysm. Does anybody know what that is? It's like when a demonic manifestation, one of those, that's a paroxysm. The word is related. You know, it's irritating in a good or bad way. Obviously, Jesus is wanting us to stimulate, irritate one another in a good way. We're already good at doing it in a bad way. We need to work at doing it in a good way. Everybody get what I'm saying? Stimulate. I remember when I was a kid, and it was time to get up, my mother would come in and say, Hello, Shawnee. And she rubbed me like this, you know, it's like, I'm out cold. And she, Hello, Shawnee. And she was so sweet and saccharine. It's still irritating. You follow me? So when somebody's speaking into my life, it may be, even though they'll still be as sweet. Look, they say, you know, who can I pick? I got, I'm picking on you too. You're right there. How can I not pick on you? So, so um, Brother Gene comes to me and he says, you know, I've been watching this about, can I just say, I, I really appreciate you as a brother. You're a good disciple. And, but I've noticed this. Way. It's still irritating. But I need it. You follow what I'm saying? So even if it's not, he did it perfectly. He said it perfectly. But everybody doesn't always say it perfectly. Have you noticed that? <laughs> but what do you think God's doing, even if they don't say it perfectly? He's trying to prove encourage you. Let me just read this. Uh, God has put his word into the mouth of men, men and women, in order that it may be communicated to other men and women. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. Isn't that true? When the spirit drops something on you, you go, oh, man, I'm... You, never, you don't get excited anymore? 
Come on, we got high test coffee somewhere. We'll help you out. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word. Listen, his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of a man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. We keep falling down. He needs his brother man or woman as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. And here's the key phrase right here. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart may be uncertain, but his brother is sure. I will. One question down. Oh, no, yeah. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. You can have it because I'm done with that book for now. What that's saying, I don't mean you can keep it. So wait, I'm not done yet. Hold that question, my dear brother. All right. So does, does everybody follow? That brother in the prayer meeting's word was more sure than my heart was. Bam! The Spirit breathed life into me. And I've had that happen over and over, and I seek it out. Do you seek it out ever? That's normal. If you seek it out, to get with a brother or sister who I know can speak life to me and will correct me if I'm wrong. Help me know. Am I thinking wrong on this? Only a little. (laughs) Okay. Everybody with me? Here's the next verse I want to show you. Therefore, encourage one another, build up one another, just as you also are doing. First Thessalonians, two words in here. This is part of that fellowship. This is part of life together. Parakaleo, Greek word. Anybody know the Greek name for the Holy Spirit as the paraclete? In fact, some of the old songs had it. The paraclete, right? The comforter has come. That's the word, paraclete, parakaleo. Comfort one, encourage one, do like the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He comes alongside of us, actually comes from an old legal lawyer term. I got to go to court, the lawyer goes with me to stand next to me to speak encouragement and to guide me, right? That's the job of parakaleo, encourage one another. And build up, oikodomeo, domestic, hear it? Oikos, household, build up your house. Build up. God's business in his saints is to build us up. Build us up. Make us strong. Build up our spiritual muscles, a phrase I haven't used here yet. You have to build up your spiritual muscles. You must use the means of grace. You can't lay down and play, I couldn't help it. It just took over my life. I'm stuck. Yes, you are. What's that noise? You're getting my drift. Let me, let, me, uh, let me illustrate it. This is, this is a lost art today. There was a day when churches had a common consciousness that our job is to fight and resist sin. Today, we don't even know what sin is. I mean, obviously, talking on your cell phone in New York State is a sin on, when you're driving. You think that's the worst sin around? How do you know? No, anyway... Let me illustrate something for you, if I could just tell you this little story. I was, I was thinking about the, the dynamics of sin. I have picked up on a number of things. I've said, 
we're not using the means of grace. There, is a, there, are, there are secrets that we keep that keep us in trouble, that, that ruin our lives, that bring destruction, okay? That's why we need each other to challenge us to move forward in our war against sin. So recently, in fact, it can't get any more recent than World Magazine, March 3rd, 2018. That's pretty recent. There was an article on pornography. So I'm just being blunt. And here's how the article starts. Very unexpected. Jessica Harris, a woman, was 13 when she was told to do online research and got caught in a site and couldn't resist going back and back. The way she described it, it was like watching a train wreck, which was terrible, but you couldn't take your eyes off it. You know that feeling? And some of us know it too well, right? So anyway, she lost the war. She got totally trapped. She's a Bible college student, whatever. I was making sure that I was the model student and the model Christian girl and the model daughter, whatever I needed to be, to keep other people from guessing something was wrong. She wanted to stop, but she couldn't. They had a couple of datas here. I'll just throw it out. Beside it being a $100 billion global ministry, uh, uh, ministry industry. <laughs> it's not a ministry. Pastor John started a pornography ministry. No, I didn't. You all behave yourselves now. I hope a couple of you, though, are feeling a little bit of heat. Statistics vary widely, but a 2016 study by Barna, just two years back, found that 51% of males ages 13 and above use porn at least once a month. I'm sure that's understated. 21% of youth pastors admitted they currently struggle with pornography themselves. But catch this. It is not just a man's problem, and especially insidious among young women. The Barnes study found 33% of women, 33% of women, ages 13 to 24, seek it out at least once a month. Secular groups are starting to acknowledge the destruction of pornography that it wreaks on families and individuals. Four states have declared it a public health crisis. But here's the, whatever the legal action, this is the part I want to make. Churches have an opportunity to help the swelling number of adults and young people sinking in a pit of sexual sin. By the way, if you're thinking to yourself, it's the harmless thing, you are so deceived. Swelling numbers of adults, uh, adults and young people sinking in a pit of sexual sin. Recovery, get this. This is this woman, Harris, speaking life. I'm going to tell you a little more about her story just quickly. Recovery begins with trusting in Christ and pursuing Christian discipleship as central to battling any sin. It's not enough just to take away the porn. So you take away this item, but the hunger is still there. You need discipleship to replace that. Are you following? So she, for example, get this. She's in a Christian School, she's hitting these sites. Their tech team monitors. They catch her. They bring her into the office, and they rebuke her for this. You have to be careful which men you let use your computer. And she walked out. Shucks, I wanted to be caught. She didn't get caught. Because it's not on the radar that she could have been. And her whole journey and why she's an enthusiastic and and a a provocateur of fellowship, accountability, 
helping each other win the battle against sin is because of her struggle and her victory. She's speaking. You need, to, you need to apply the rules, the means of grace, of discipleship. I've talked many times about the incredible growth of the Methodist church, how it blew up. It just went all over the world, right? Every town has Methodist churches. Every, I don't like my voice either. Right? That's why I don't listen to my own podcasts. Um, did you know how they started? With small groups. The whole thing grew out of small groups, accountability groups. Here's the questions that Wesley's Rules of the Band Societies asked in 1738. To join, do you desire to be told your faults? Mind your own business. Okay, we will. See you later. Here's the five questions. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? What temptations have you met with? How were you delivered? What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it is sin or not? No. Is there anything you are trying to keep secret? If so, why? Doesn't that sound like a fun group? Yeah, baby. That's if you're serious. Most of us aren't. Just being blunt. You had a question on prayer. Uh, Fellowship. Fellowship. We're on fellowship. Louder. Oh, great question. Thank you, Steve. Probably the first thing and most important, and by the way, one of the qualities so desperately needed in the church today is that we walk in humility. So when I go to my brother and say, look, I wish I had all my truck together and could tell you how to do it all. I don't. I struggle with this and that, too. But I have noticed, and I'm concerned for you, that this is a dangerous thing or a a bad thing for you or whatever. And I love you. Would you want me to pray with you? And could we hold each other accountable? That's a possible way, rather than coming across. By the way, there are some people, doesn't matter how you approach it, as saccharine, Johnny, wake up. It's time to wake up. They're not going to be happy anyway. That's their problem. Then you have to leave it. Okay, great question, Steve. Thank you. Now, you had one? You were going to. Oh, thank you, sister. His wife took care of it. All right. So, do you have a friend like that? Do you have people you can talk to each other like that? No? Find some. Just do it. Otherwise, we remain stuck as we are. Did somebody have a question? Small group. Okay. And by the way, that's where some of these guys are going to be heading. When you start dealing with this, oh boy. Some of the questions in there are, like, brutal, okay? It's really fun. <laughs> See, I, I'm a state of masochist. Anyway, go ahead. How do you Last question. I know. How Last. do you receive, personally, how do you receive somebody telling you you're doing something wrong without trying, like, every time somebody's done it to me, it's like, well, look at them, look at their life. Yeah, who do they think they are? How do I what do a that? jerk. Take, take it as they're looking I'll do the best I can with this in a very fast run because it's a, it's a huge answer. God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the... So I have to choose to walk in humility. So if I'm walking in humility and 
I have to believe that God is watching me more than everybody else. See, we're all preoccupied with what everybody else thinks instead of what God knows to be true about us. So it's better for me to say, and I've had to think this, can I be honest? What a hypocrite to get on my case about this. You jerk. In my head. In my mouth, I say, hmm, well, that was a little surprising, but let me just say this. I'm going to take that to prayer, see if you're correct. Okay? And then I better stink and do it to see if they're correct. And it doesn't matter whether they're a hypocrite, because if I'm sinning in that regard, if I love Jesus, I want to get it fixed. If I love Jesus, I want to get it fixed. Oh, no, no, too late. Anyway. I'm going to run through this because we're running out of time. Okay, so that was the two questions on fellowship. And I'm kind of glad we parked because they are two huge means of grace. Huge. When people didn't have the Bible, they had that. And they were transformed and changed the face of the Roman Empire. Next one is scripture. Hold fast the confession of our hope, right? The confession, a statement Uh, We confess, like when we say, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. We read through a confession. This is what we believe. Hold fast to the confession means hold on, continue believing, pledge allegiance to. Pledge allegiance to your confession of faith, the hope that you have in what Jesus has done. Use the word. I won't even look up this text. I'll just read it to you. It's in your notes. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Remember, they didn't have Bibles. So make sure you read the scripture, because those hungry disciples would come. Give attention to public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching, 1 Timothy 4.13. The saints would gather, let me get one more verse that I can memorize. Because they didn't have a Bible. When we lead people to Christ, we give them materials. Here's one of the ones we give. Beginning with Christ, it's got five memory verses. Anybody done any memorization of a verse? Try it. Oh, I just can't do that. Well, force yourself at least once. You know, John 3.16 at least, right? But there's other ones. Don't you think we need some ammunition when the enemy comes at us, right? You got the enemy coming at you? No temptation sees you except what is common to man, 1 Corinthians 10. If we confess our sins, he is the greatest mental health verse in the Bible. And it is 1 John 1, 9. Oh, you get the idea. Scripture is a means of grace. Press in. Make use of it, right? Next one. Worship. Now, I get this. Before we go to the next slide, I just want to say worship can be private. Mr. Scazzaro, in his Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, gives some coaching toward the end of the book about how to establish some healthy personal devotional life, which we all should have something that works. We don't want to imitate other people. I remember I used to meet with a a pastor in Denver, Colorado, when I was still earning my uh, degrees, and uh, it was a... It was a Methodist background church, and this guy was following Wesley's discipline. Now, for outsiders, let me explain. Wesley's discipline for ministers was a bunch of rules about how to be about the the father's business. One of them was be up at 4.30 reading and praying. 
So by the time I met with him at about 10 or 11 in the morning, this guy was... And my point being, it wasn't working for him. So stop doing somebody else's thing and find the thing that will work for you. Okay? Personal worship. That's one thing. But also, there's a demand. And what you want to do is learn how to move to the place where you're resting in God and learning to practice the presence of God. Oh, it's so much happier. But I'm speaking worship also in terms of assembling together. You know what the word assembling is? Let's synagogue together. That's what the word is. Sun sunagago. Synagogue together. We gather together because there's something unique that happens in the gathering of saints. So downplayed in our culture. I don't want to harp on it. But those are the times, many times. How many times have you heard somebody went to church, he got zinged, he got born again. If you haven't been born again, by the way, that's what Jesus came to help you experience. Becoming his child. Knowing that you have eternal life and having your life turn around. Once you are in his family, these means of grace will build you up. Worshiping together. Where do we do communion together? Where do we do baptisms? It's when the saints gather. And those things can be means of grace. The breaking of bread around the table can be means of grace. In Plymouth Brethren circles, they expected the Holy Spirit to move in on communion services, sometimes healing people right in their seats from a physical sickness. Something about God showing up in the midst of it. Let me give you an illustration. I'm going to take a passage of Scripture. There are uh, Catholic rituals that are based on this text Sometimes used rightly, sometimes wrongly. But here's the point. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. This is an assembly issue. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Anybody ever read this out of James? The prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, if the, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. What? Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. There's something in that that is a body life assembly activity. Does it, is it clear to you that it becomes a means of grace in some circumstances? The TV preacher can't anoint you with oil. There's no hugs afterward, no laying on of hands, no assembly interaction. God can do whatever. He can speak through a television. That's how I got saved. But... He has ordained the assembling of the saints together. By the way, I had a hack for devotions. I, I think, talking personally, it's, this is a good hack. Whatever is the thing that always speaks life to you, it, it could be a book, it could be a passage of scripture, it could be a song, it could be a movie, it could, who, I don't know what it is. There's something that always reboots your Computer and I want to serve Jesus. Well, you know that reality. You know what I'm saying? There's something out there. If you find something like that, put it aside, put it on the shelf. Do not watch it all the time. When you get in the doldrums, that's the time. Pull it out, run it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, we've all got stuff like I have some. There's certain books, certain even some movies that I'll watch. I go, oh man, what a weenie I am. What did I do? Why did I give up? Anybody know what I mean? Two more. Here we go. Giving and serving. Giving and serving. 
Let's stimulate one another to what? Love and good deeds. By the way, it's not just doing goody-good deeds. The word there is excellent. Excellent deeds. Lovely. Very good deeds. Love and good deeds. There's a way to serve. I've read from John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted. I'll just uh, very quickly mention that he says, choosing to serve, especially if you don't say anything about it, is a great sanctifying influence. One of the hardest things in the world, stop being the prodigal son without turning into being an elder brother. You want to start serving. Richard Foster, he quotes, says, more than any other single way the grace of humility is worked into our lives, you want to walk in humility, is through the discipline of service. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like serving. I got to get up and go do it. I just do it. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service. The flesh whines against service. That's why churches struggle. That's why so few do so much of the work. The flesh is winning. Duh. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. Gee, these people know an awful lot about us. How do they find out, huh? Let's talk just for a minute, and I'll close with this, probably. I I like to say, if you want to start serving or growing or learning, Nike, just do it. You know, Nike. That was Nike. Nike. The the shoe. Nike, Nike, whatever. Okay, so skip that one. Um, two, two, Two passages in 2 Corinthians, two whole chapters are all about a dimension of serving called giving. By the way, we're really broken in this regard. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Those of you who are visiting, I don't teach on giving hardly ever, right? Just say, I'm just making it clear. And I'm talking to disciples now, not other people. You want a cure for idolatry? You want to learn how to trust God? You want to ultimately get his blessing? Just do it. Step up. Learn how to tithe. It's the baby step where God's blessing can come back. But you know what? It ain't going to happen when the spirit moves because probably he's done pushing on you. Step up and do it. See what happens. God is able to bring grace into your life because it is, in fact, a means of grace. Putting out always brings return back. I have found that to be true. I didn't hear any amens on that one, so okay, we're stuck on that. So skip the last one. No, I'm kidding. Last one is this. We're not going to like this one. Witness. The confession of our hope. Hold fast the confession of our hope. Here's a famous verse. Let me just show it to you quickly. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for what? The hope that is in you. And here's how you do it. With gentleness, not pushy. You don't pin them to the sidewalk, you know, and shove a track down their throat. That's not what you do. With gentleness and reverence. I'd love to share with you 
how this works. And by the way, we have a hack coming for you. We're going to have a shirt that says, let's go pray for one. Pray for one. I'm talking about outsiders. Pray for one. Ask God to open the door. A word to the wise, use the hacks in the owner's manual. Otherwise, you'll burn it up. You'll break it too early. You'll put it together wrong. You'll say, what's that noise? And you don't have to be there. Questions, and then I'm done. Two. None. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I was that thorough? I don't believe it. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you today that you are for us, not against us. Your grace is available, and the means of grace, the owner's manual has all this help available for grace to flow into our lives. Give us the courage to step up and try them. Lord, we pray for those who are doing so. This team again, we pray for your blessing on them. The senior group that's coming back from their mission trip, uh, this uh, senior trip. Put your angels around them, protect them. Bring them back refreshed because of leaning on your grace. And for us as an assembly, that your, your gathering of the saints and your scattering of your saints in the world day by day, week by week might be an instrument of grace. When we share grace with others, we get blessed in the process. Let it be so. Put your angels around all of us. Keep us. In your great name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. God bless you. Go fetch your children. If you have any questions, come see me.